right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome all the faithful Cornerstone listeners, Cornerstone family to another episode. My name is Parker, and I am joined tonight by an amazing couple from the great state of New Jersey, uh, a couple that had a huge endorsement, actually, from another Cornerstone guest who is on one of the earlier episodes. Um, But I am joined tonight by Trey Harrison and his lovely wife, Michelle Harrison. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Glad, glad to be here. It's a privilege and an honor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm humbled that you guys made it. I, um, you know, I've seen your relationship up close. I've seen it on Instagram. I've seen the pictures, obviously, of your beautiful sons, Zay and Seth. And um, many people have told me about how special your relationship is. So I'm excited to learn more about it. I know all the listeners are excited to learn more about it. Hopefully you guys put me into another level of uh, podcast host where I get streamed a couple more times than I'm used to <laughs> after this episode. But um, definitely pumped to have you. I will, uh, before we dive in, I'll tell a little bit, I'll tell the audience a little bit about Cornerstones and how I met you too. So Cornerstones is a space where couples like Trey and Michelle um, come together to share the story of how they met, um, how they built their relationship, the whole journey of their relationship, um, why they decide to get married and so forth. And the whole point of it is that we're all blessed to be a blessing and that through them sharing their story and being open and vulnerable about their relationship, other people's can be inspired and can be impacted by it. So that's the whole premise. And um, and before we dive in, I will also tell you a little bit how I met Trey and Michelle. So I actually met Michelle before I met Trey. Michelle, you remember that story, right? I do. <laughs> On the sandy beaches of Cabo Wabo, eight and nine years ago. Um, I actually heard about Trey from Sean. So I was there with Sean. And we were in Cabo and he's like, yo, my boy's wife is here. Or actually, you guys are okay. probably engaged then. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know if we were engaged. engaged. Just, no? just boyfriend and girlfriend. We're just boyfriend and girlfriend. Wow. Yeah, let's not say, let's not say too much. We don't want to, we don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. <laughs> John said my boy trades girlfriends in Cabo. Um, she's with some friends. We got to meet up with them. We ended up spending a lot of time with you guys, going on the boat, hanging out at night. So it was fun. It was a great time. And then of course, get back to the city, meet Trey go on another tropical vacation. So I've been on two tropical vacations with you guys on separate, separate <laughs> occasions. <laughs> we would trade to Jamaica with Sean and a bunch of people. Um, and it's been a pleasure to get to know you guys more um, over the past eight or nine years. So that's how I know you two. Um, I'll turn it over to Michelle. Michelle, do you want to just give a quick introduction of who you are? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name's actually Michelle McCree Harrison. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Hyphenated. Uh, Don't forget the born and, born and raised in Inglewood, New Jersey. Never thought I'd return. Um, and I am an educator. I have been an educator for the past 12 years. I have spent about nine of those 12 years in the classroom, um, but I've also done some work organizing and I'm currently a strategy developer and program facilitator with a nonprofit called Roots Connected. Um, It's a great organization that um, consults around anti-bias and inclusive ed uh, nationally. And I have the privilege of of growing that out. Um, Yeah, I guess that's a little about me. I'm 33 years old, mom of two, that was hinted at. Not really sure what else to share about myself, but uh, happy to be here. 
And uh, like Parker said, my name is Craig Harrison. I'm uh, this impulsive woman's uh, roommate. That's about it. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm 34. I come from I'm 34, right? Yeah. I forget sometimes. Come from a land far, far away, uh, Texas, uh, the Republic of Texas. That is um, <laughs> made my way out here to the East Coast. And uh, yeah, about myself, um, you know, I consider myself uh, religious. Faith is very dear to me. That's one. Two, I am a husband, like I said, of this amazing woman. Uh, and I'm a father of two incredible little boys, Seth and Zay, that we get the privilege every single day uh, of, of watching grow into, um, you know, the most interesting personalities. So, um, <laughs> That's me. You share about what you do for work. Uh, I work in finance. That's about it. <laughs> Thank you. That was the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle's over here saving the world, and Trey's over here just wrecking the world on the other side. So. That's that's that's, uh, that's about that's, that's about right. <laughs> Bouncing each other out. Uh, well, that's good. So thank you for the thank you for the intros. Um, and how did you guys meet? If, you know, Trey, you obviously said from Texas, came to the East Coast. Michelle, you were born and raised here uh, in the Northeast. So how did you end up crossing paths? Well, we both attended Duke University and um, we were in the same year at school. And um, I first learned that Trey existed uh, towards the end of my first semester. Uh, I had a good friend at the time who's now the godfather, godmother of our children. I was like, have you ever seen that cute uh, soccer player, Trey Harrison? I was like, no idea who you're talking about. She's like, next like, time. I only, I only look at basketball players. Not. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, next time you go to a soccer game. I actually went to soccer games pretty often. Just like, uh, look out for, for the name Harrison. He's light skin. He's cute. So that, hey. that, that let me know who he was, at least. <laughs> Um, but we had very different social lives for a long time, uh, and very little overlap in how much we like hung out or spoke at all until, um, what was it? Uh, spring of our sophomore year, spring 2008, right? Yeah. A good friend of mine, uh, Brent, a freshly minted line sister of mine, um, was trying to push me into dating um, and felt that I should get out there and consider people I was interested in and kind of like sat me down in one of those common rooms and was poking me to tell her who um, I thought was cute. Very uninterested in dating at the time. Um, felt very like, you know, pushed to answer her question, but ended up um, giving her a few names, one of which was Trey. And a few she, names? I did. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, ooh, I'm going to make this happen. And I was just like, you better not. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, stop. Um, Hopefully Trey is the first name you mentioned. Uh, I was going to ask what the, what the <laughs> order was, but then I said, you know what, let me, let me just... Uh, Honesty, honesty is the best policy, you know, it's just the reality of the situation. So I wasn't at the top of the list, got it, got it. <laughs> I wasn't interested in dating, but if I can meet these like 50 guys and yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, she was just like, tell me 
anything is cute. Just tell me anything is cute. Anyways, um, yeah, she took it upon herself to then go to Dre and give him my number. Wow. And, um, yeah, I am very unaware of what that conversation fully consisted of, but I do fully remember the day I got a text message that was like, I think it was something along the lines of like, hey, what's up? And I was like, hello, <laughs> uh, who is this? And he was like, Trey. And I was like, hi, yes. Like, <laughs> like, what, like what would you like? Um, but I knew it was her. I knew it was her. Like, I just, I, I was very like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe Keiko gave this man my number. Um, and I lit into her but it did open the door and open the gateways for us to feel a lot more uh, casual actually speaking to each other as we walked by one another um, yeah and uh, once we started texting we kind of never stopped in some regards yeah kind of op open the floodways to us actually getting to know each other wow yes yeah, so I'll say a little maybe a little contextual information for that text message. So um, rewinding a little bit from my side, um, while it seems that Michelle didn't realize I existed until the end of freshman year and I was on this, you know, number 49 on this hypothetical who looks cute on campus list. Um, <laughs> I still to this day, as, as, Michelle, as Michelle said, I played soccer, so fall sport. We, a lot of the fall athletes, you know, we came for preseason. So, you know, we were on campus before all the other, you know, other students came. And it was an interesting time because, you know, it's just, you know, the first few weeks or so, it's just you with another, I don't know, 30, 40 athletes, so to speak. And then as all the students started coming on campus, you know, it starts filling up and it's like, wow, okay, this is college, right? And I still remember week one of students um, coming to campus, Michelle and I, actually lived in like sister dorms on what was called the backyard on East Campus at Duke where all the freshmen lived first year. And I didn't say a word to her, but I remember walking past her and I still remember the exact same spot. Michelle knows this. And I was like, wow, like if this is what college is, I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> because Michelle was by far the baddest chick on campus. Um, <laughs> and by my accounts, she held that title for four years. So um, I took notice of her very early. Um, and then fast forward to that time, as she said, uh, we, it was actually a mutual friend of ours. And, you know, hopefully this gives a little more context to that text message conversation, because I really wasn't like outgoing like that. I, you know, you know, thought I thought, yes, I did think Michelle was very beautiful. But um, when this friend approached me, she approached it from the sense of like, hey, are you into Michelle? And I was like, look, like, I mean, am I into her? Like, let's, let's not play games here. Obviously, like, like yeah. Michelle's bad, but yeah, I'd be into her. She was like, well, you know, she's really into you. She thinks you're super cute. And I was like, oh, word? Oh, word. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right. Play cool, play cool. <laughs> play cool, play cool. Like, yeah, of course she's into me, right? Yeah, no way I'm number 49. Yeah. Who's Michelle again? <laughs> exactly, exactly. She was like, yo, here's her number you definitely should hit her up. Like, it just makes perfect sense. And I'm like, of course it makes perfect sense. So she really gave me the false confidence, I would say, to hit up Michelle. Because otherwise, I mean, I definitely wouldn't went up to her and like ask her for a number or anything like that. Um, and so I reached out to her again with 
tons and tons of confidence of like, yeah, she knows, like, she knows, she knows what's good. Um, literally, as she said, like, hey, Michelle, what's good? And she's like, uh, like, who this? I'm like, uh, it's Trey. And she's like, do you need something? And I'm like, oh, uh, nah, but you know, like, anyway, so um, yeah, that's, that's how that's how it started. And it kind of, it kind of, it kind of blossomed over the summer, I would say, in these like text messages and 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 phone conversations and i actually put michelle on blast on facebook i think i think before, yeah prematurely but you know i uh, so i think i actually think that's a funny story so michelle is very much so you know like she uh she she didn't want everybody in the world knowing that you know maybe we had a little something brewing of course that's probably because from her perspective we didn't have anything brewing although i thought right right and Nothing so, yeah, back in the day, you know, you would post on people's wall, um, you know, I think at some point during the summer, like right before going back to school, I said something to the effect of really miss our late night combos, um, just to go ahead and let the campus know, like, yo, like, don't be encroaching on this, like, your boy Trey's putting in work right now, um, which I don't think Michelle took very kindly to, because I think she got some some questions about the, uh, the yeah. of that, that post. Yeah, my yeah. Friend, I definitely got some blow up like, what is Trey talking about? You're talking to Trey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. Questions, like, questions, questions from guys, guys <laughs> and females alike. Um, had to let them know, had to let them you know. You just dropped a bomb on her Facebook, huh? Exactly, <laughs> came back out now, it's out there in the ether. <laughs> Claiming the territory, man. I like that. I like that. So then you guys, so you two were texting for a while, talking on the phone. And when when was the first couple of like in-person dates and get-togethers? Did you guys meet up during that summer? Or because you went back to Texas and Michelle was in Jersey that you couldn't really meet up? Yeah, so I think, I think um, there was an interesting wave that... Um, that summer definitely had more of a vicious uh, vibe to it because we really like hadn't interacted that much. Like it was late spring semester when Keiko, I don't know if I should have said her name, mutual friend, um, exchanged our, um, <laughs> you know, gave us this um, connection so much so that I remember. Um, we would go to South Carolina after school um, for this like vacation weekend um, and we were going to like meet up there and then we didn't. And so I feel like our text exchange over that summer was started out with like questions, you know, like that random like, so, um, you know, what does your summer look like? Or like, what do you like to do? Um, mm -hmm. I forgot, you know, there was some type of cheesy, but I, 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 accepted it in a way in which he was like um well maybe we should just talk about it and like you know I was like okay you can call me and like you yeah, know we ended girl. up having a conversation <laughs> late night combo <laughs> um, I was like yeah I'll talk to him and we like talked about I don't know whatever you talk about when you're 19 and on the phone for hours mm -hmm. till two o'clock in the morning but uh yeah that those combos only happened maybe two or three times like the whole summer like definitely light texting here and there 
But then when we went back to campus, maybe it was the Facebook claim, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, we, it almost felt like we were friends. It was like, oh, hey, what's up? And uh, there wasn't as much of a like, we are talking vibe. Um, and there definitely wasn't a weird dating vibe. Uh, I think I was also very much so pushing that off to be candid. Um, For sure. Uh, like he asked me like, do you wanna go to, I used to love Wendy's. He like asked if we, if we wanted to go to Wendy's. We were like walking towards his car. Um, and he goes to like open the car door for me. And I like pulled both his arms. I was like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just opening the door. And what I was what like, a Southern gentleman does. Like, I was like, I'm a over Hello. I was like, yeah. we're going to Wendy's. Like, you don't need to open the door for me. I'm capable. And like, this is not a date. Wow. Um, <laughs> There's like, where are these girls in the South, man? I'm saying, man. <laughs> trying to go get a frosty, be nice enough. Yeah. Open, like, yeah. So I was definitely chopping down any type of like we're dating vibes, um, but we kicked Wait, it. Can I can I pause you right there for a second? How why were you kind of resistant? Oh, uh, let's get in it, Parker. Let's get in it <laughs> because because that's interesting to me that you thought he was cute. There was obviously like he thought you were cute, so it was mutual. You were texting and talking all summer. You felt comfortable, and then when he did a nice chivalrous action, yeah, I. I think, um, well, life events. Um, my grandmother had just passed and that was like really hard for me. And I also had come out of a relation. I entered college in a relationship uh, that just felt very restraining, like suffocating in some ways at times. Um, and just like a whole thing I had to manage. And I was just in this place where I wanted to just focus on what I wanted from school. Um, and I didn't want to have to think about anybody else's needs or demands or wants of me. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I was just like, this is cute. I'll do it. It's fun. But I don't, yeah, I didn't want anybody in my mind at that time, like accepting being somebody's girlfriend also meant I had to play a role and I just wasn't up for doing that for anybody. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah, and that definitely played out in our early relationship quite a bit. Um, so you just kind of weren't ready to hand yourself over and you didn't want, maybe there were some like expectations, like if he was doing something nice for you, there might be pressure for expectations for you to do stuff for him and then, you know, back and forth and then it, it kind of get complicated from there. Yeah, I think there's even like any demand of my time. I think um, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do. It. I didn't want anybody expecting me to text them, to call them, to show up for them, like nothing. Like I don't want like any expectations from anybody like if you ask me to do something and I'm in the mood I'm gonna do it but like I think this idea of like committing to being in a relationship like you do end up having expectations of that person and I wasn't ready to fulfill anybody's expectations of any of me and I think like like crucial to our story really this dynamic played out from so we had like the you know, call it flirtatious text messages, few phone calls over that summer, all the way through 
first semester of junior year where very much so as I already said like I was you know smitten by Michelle I like I she she still to me is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen on on planet earth and so clearly I was very physically attracted to her when we came back to campus in the fall our junior year and as she said it was kind of like oh like uh, we know each other we know each other um you know we would spend time here and there like going to get Wendy's although she wouldn't let me open the door um we'd go to the library together so just kind of like very much so yeah um like casual like catch-ups and we started to kind of like get closer um learn about each other as she said you know she had just came out of you know a very restrictive relationship I actually also came into college with a girlfriend from back home that um, we actually ended up like both of us got those relationships around the same time um, but she shared about like her grandmother when we kind of got on that level I very quickly saw that um, yeah like Michelle didn't want a boyfriend like she wanted a friend um, and so I was I was okay with that at, in in the beginning um, but I think that as we got closer and you know clearly past her physical beauty I just really started to gravitate towards who she was and her personality um, and just love being around her that I, I couldn't help it, but just to like start, you know, developing feelings and they felt very, very real. Um, mm. And over that time, you know, I think there was a, there was kind of like a switch of me trying to like toe this line between, you know, I know she doesn't want a boyfriend right now, but I really like this girl and I want to show her that I care about her. And so it's another, you know, I would say a big a difference of like Michelle is that I, I feel like I chased her for months in terms of like trying to show her how much I cared about her and, you know, mm-hmm. things that we look back and laugh at because Michelle was like, oh, I didn't know you like, you know, you really cared all that much. And I was like, yeah, I was making like homemade <laughs> car. I literally for her birthday, which is in November. So again, like we started this you know, yeah. back in the summer, it's November. I literally made her a homemade car for her birthday. And it was so good, Parker. It was so good. She thought it was like purchase. Like it was, it was that, like this, this wasn't, this wasn't like one of Sephardt's like, you know, crafts in the pre-K, you know what I mean? This was like, it was, it was legit. Wait, did you, um, did you open it up and it became like, like a 3D image, like a huge pop-up something it had, it had multiple layers there of was paper no yeah and... there, there was there was no 3d kind of like you know per, you know perspective to it but there was some depth there was like textures there was different layers as she said like i i went all out on this card all right and there was i feel like other instances where i was like yo i'm not just the average dude around here yeah well, like, I asked him just for the card reference i said how did you get my name on this card like, i was like because i made it like your boy's pulling out all the stops yeah (laughs) I think like you know this is like I I would say a pivotal moment in our relationship yeah the most early uh one of those like crucial moments where it got to a point to where I was like look I know what she needs right now is not a boyfriend but the more I spend time with her, the more I just can't like stop thinking about how I do want to be like in a romantic relationship with her because I feel so strongly about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started saying like, look, like if, you know, if, you know, she's not open to that, that's perfectly fine. But I got to like, I, I, I got to, I got to pull away from her. Like I can't, I can't, 
you know, anytime she like, you know, I feel like we had a, a lot of times she would just text like, like texts. And I'd be like, yo, you're going to the library? I'll come with you. You know, you know, I had to, when, when those occurrences were coming up, I started being like, ah, oh, like I gotta do this, I gotta do that because it was literally like killing me that I'm like, like I'm feeling for this girl, but I'm getting nothing in return on like, you know, the romantic side, so to speak. And so right, right. that took us up to basically right before winter break of fall semester, junior year. And I don't know, babe, maybe you should, you should tell the story from here, but I mean, I can keep going. <laughs> I think this is good. Yeah. <laughs> I think all that time we were hanging it, hanging out heavy. Um, I was thoroughly enjoying his company. Um, I really enjoyed getting to know him. Um, I think there is this piece of me, like initial impressions that we were like very different people um, or like had very different um, backgrounds, just like, he loves Southern trap music. I love soft and Engen. And like, you know, just that was a world I didn't know. I had worlds he didn't know, like um, came from a very conservative um, family and place. And I feel like I didn't. Um, and just like wondering how those things would like mesh and meld and how we'd learn about each other. Um, and I feel like the more we spoke, the more aligned we were. And like, I think our moral centers in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I feel like very similarly, like I felt like I was just, there was no like show. I was just being myself. And I think in a lot of ways, because I wasn't trying to be his girl initially at all. Um, and yeah, I was really attracted to him too. But it wasn't until he started to pull away and I, he wasn't just coming with me to the library whenever I asked or showing up for lunch or watching that 70s show for hours at a time and chatting on opposite ends of the couch where it was like, oh, like I'm not seeing him anymore, blah, blah, blah. That um, I think I had my own like reality check with, like I do really like him and I feel like he's pulling away because I actually feel like you communicated that with me like to some degree like I, I really do like you and I'm not really sure what to do with, about that um, and I was struggling with like how to respond um, so I had gone over there to say bye before winter break and even then like while I was there it was kind of like tense and he was just kind of like yeah I guess well and um, so I leave and I go in the car and I like wait for like 10 minutes and I'm like I feel I don't know what came over me um the good lord yeah, came over the spirit spoke to you the spirit spoke to you I was like you know I just need to give him some type of validation so I knocked back on the door um and he's like what's up and I was like I forgot something and I kissed him oh, oh wait wait she pulled an Albert Brenneman yes yes <laughs> I set the scene a little bit here. So, so going into this last little interaction before the break, I literally had made like up my mind. I was like, I just got to get through this semester, go home for winter break, and I'm gonna clear my mind of her. Like, we still can be cool and everything, but like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get Michelle just like off my mind. And so, you know, she came over, you know, she wanted to come over, which I obliged. I was like, all right, fine, we'll come through, that's cool. We did like we always do, like, like she said, literally sitting on opposite ends of the couch. I mean, I probably didn't even say much. And when she left and said bye, I kid you not, I, 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 stood, I stood at the door. I stood at the door for as long as she was gone. And I was just like, like I just don't get it. Like, like yeah. why, like why this isn't, you know, why this isn't panning out? Like literally, like heartbroken in that moment. Cause in my mind, I was like, I'm getting on the flight, I'm going back home to Dallas. Like, and that's it. Like it's it's a wrap. And let me set the scene. It, it was it was a cool, it was it was a cool <laughs> Durham, it was a cool Durham night. And I remember <laughs> I, I, this is this is not this is this this is all facts right here. It was a full moon. And it was like, there was like a, a little bit of a, like a rainy haze, not like it was raining, but it was a little bit of a rainy haze. And I remember just standing in front of the door, heartbroken, and I hear this knock and my, my heart literally drops, right? And I open the door and with the moon, she's like backlit, there's like the rain. And she asked the question like, you know, or she says like, I forgot something. And then she kisses me and I literally like, I was stunned. I was paralyzed. I was like, what just so, what, what happened? So much so, I remember you asking the question like, oh, should I have not done that? And um, in my, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my swaggy cool self, I think I like, <laughs> like mumbled, like, no, I, I responded something to the effect of uh, like, no but can 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 we do it again and I, I I proceeded I think I don't even know if you you let me kiss you since that was kind of like a whack comeback but um and I did did you go home I can't remember if you went yeah. I think you just went home after that that was it and I closed the door and I was just like yo like my mind was blown like set off my winter break in my <laughs> mind I'm like yo that's my girl like Michelle that's my girl. Wait till Facebook hears this now. You, know, you, know? <laughs> you thought you thought those earlier wall posts were something. Yeah. Um, so I really think, well, first of all, like you got to get credit where credit is due. Like Michelle played that game like a boss. Like literally I, you know, she had me chasing her for, I mean, it was nearly probably like six months. Wow. And right, right at the end when I was about to be like, all right, I'm done. She's like, nah, I'll let you, you know, I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you something to think about on your yeah, pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll give you a little something to think I mean, about. You're thinking about time. her anyway, but it's exactly. positive exactly. now. Exactly. So, yeah. And I remember like talking over that break and clearly like I'm all giddy, like really thinking like I got a girlfriend now. <laughs> um but it did I mean after, it's another three months before yeah, we after yeah, yeah after one kiss exactly <laughs> I'm like I'm ready well this is yeah, this is funny because I'm like ready to claim it you know what I'm saying I'm ready yeah. to claim it like shot it from the mountaintops <laughs> and you know it did clearly like pivot the relationship into this is something more um and I remember us going a few months because officially we considered ourselves we finally put a label on it, which I asked Michelle to put a label on it. Um, February of that year, which was 2009. Um, Michelle was like, you know, she was kind of like, okay, fine. Like, girlfriend, and that's fine. As long as we don't put it on Facebook. And actually till this <laughs> day, although ain't nobody on Facebook like that anymore, like I said, 
Like to this day, we still have no relationship status on Facebook. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't need it. I mean, you got the comment, you know, the comment. Exactly. Oh. Go to the archives. Check the archives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone know who belongs to Trey. Exactly. And who belongs to Michelle. <laughs> That's actually more correct. But so did you guys feel that the friendship that you built was pivotal on you two having like a strong, solid, long-term relationship that, you know, if Michelle, if it was instant romantic flames for off the, at the, like right off the bat, then maybe you wouldn't have built something real and authentic in the long-term. I mean, do you feel like that the summer and the fall of the slow burn like really helped? Cause I know it was frustrating for you, Trey, but were you glad that it would played out that way? Hello, frustrating. Um, I think so. Um, and like, I, like we don't kid, literally there was like no, like, you know, physical anything in our relationship really. We would literally go of each other's apartments and we'd be on like opposite ends of like the couch or like separate couches. Um, and so I, I do think, you know, that was a time when, like I said, I was very attracted to, you know, Michelle, obviously just appearances, but um, what really attracted me more to her just was who she was and her personality like Michelle was somebody who and she kind of said this already but you know super genuine down to earth like not trying to put on a show for anybody knows who she is and is very like authentic to her true self mm -hmm. and in seeing that I think you know that just made me even more so like which like she truly is special um and it really was it, it, clearly there was like emotional like feelings on my end I know of like the romanticism and like attraction but I, I would say we really first like you know built a friendship before yeah. there really was any you know romantics in it yeah that's cool I, I, think, I really like that I think um that initial space really allowed um, for us to, or for me to like lay the foundation of initial trust. Um, and there is this sense, uh, I think some other conditions that were there, like when we first uh, put, made our relationship official or like started to claim each other, I think there's still elements of our relationship today. Um, you know, 13 years later, one of which was like putting respect first and foremost and like not having rules for one another. Like there isn't like, you're not allowed to blank. Um, and I mean, I think another element of our story that's, I don't know how unique it is, but I feel like on the rarer side is how young we were, right? Like I was, I think 20. Um, your kids yeah I mean and we had a lot I I'll make some my statements I had a lot of growing to do still and I still had a lot that I wanted to figure out in life um and I think that the dynamic of our initial relationship was really like sharing what we were interested in sharing what we were passionate about sharing what we were thinking about like the physical attraction was always there, but like those connections about who we were as people and what we wanted to talk about and what we wanted to do with our lives and how we wanted to grow was like how we spent our first six months, like getting to know one another. Yeah, um, that's really cool. 
And I think it's really easy for something super physical to just be that um, mm-hmm. or fizzle or, you know, you don't really like realize the person, like who they are. Um, yeah. Outside of how they look. And then you start to like see things that are different or might be scary. And then like you run away. And I feel like instead, um, we really got to know each other without the pressure, at least on my end, that this needed to be it. This needed to be the thing, or I needed to like, like him <laughs> even. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And um, I was able to like, really see that I, I really did like him. Um, mm-hmm. So what did you two, what did you two like about each other? Um, like, were there some of the things that attracted you beyond the physical? Besides Trey's patience. <laughs> unwavering um what attracted me to Trey uh I feel like he was like really open to like learning new things oh my goodness his face right hello now. hello um, <laughs> yeah I feel like even in the conversations we had had he was genuinely listening but then also I feel like he I saw him in the like short time that we knew each other, um, he had this like thirst for new knowledge and to like not take things at face value and to mm-hmm. like hear multiple perspectives. And I think those are values that um, mean a lot to me. That was a lot of like how I was pushing myself at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, attracted, attracted. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to underplay that I was very physical. <laughs> oh, you said aside from the physical piece. Um, oh. what else? I do feel like he, <laughs> um, yeah, he made me feel very comfortable being myself too. I think that there's, um, I was really attracted to the fact that I was able to be my full self um, right. and that um, I didn't have to feel like doing anything more than, I mean, there were several times where I was like wearing sweatpants and baggy, like literally what I was like. <laughs> Still look good, girl. Yeah. Yeah, like unbrushed hair, like glasses, like just. Love pants, um, hair tied, you know. with no makeup on. That's when you look hey. <laughs> Yeah, but there was there's no sense of like trying to impress him and he did make me feel beautiful and he made me feel seen and I felt like there was no he was very good at like not applying any type of pressure mm-hmm. um, That's and great. just sharing about himself too so yeah the learning piece allowing me to be myself and patience for sure yeah it sounds like he wasn't trying to change or manipulate or do anything um and then at the same time, too, I mean, I'm generalizing, of course, but in college, I feel like we're all trying to impress people. You know, it's like someone comes over and you want to, like, look nice and all of that. And for you at that age, just to be like, nah, what you see is what you get. You know, um, that's really cool. That's really mature of, of you, Michelle, at that age. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it's just interesting to think I, I agree with you like I was definitely in that mode of like if I was going to a party I was looking you know I was trying of to course. Look a of course. Way. um I think that that like plays even more into I don't know that if I had like gone into it like 
I wanted to like pursue Trey or I, I wanted a boyfriend. I probably would have acted differently. Um, really? I think so. <laughs> At that age, for sure. If I was like, you know, trying to catch me a man and I, I just, I just genuinely was not in that place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, if this cute guy wants to come over and talk to me just like this, like by all means. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was genuinely interested. It's like, how could I was, you know, you're asking what is attractive. Like, I was so attracted to that. Like, I love that he loves kicking it with me like this. Um, That's a love language. Must be a love language. Quality time. Just genuine quality time. Yeah. For sure. And Trey, what about you and Michelle? I mean, I know you could go on for five hours, so you can try to keep it short. <laughs> well, I'll just reiterate what I said earlier, because it, it absolutely was the biggest thing. And I guess to drill into a little bit more, and we talked about this. I think, yeah, you know, for me, I just, like, I don't, I don't like fake people. I, I don't like, you know, people who are disingenuous. And I, I probably should, I probably should have had a little bit more grace for people in college, because obviously that's very, like, you know, formative years of, of people to ultimately end up becoming. But I just felt like there were so many people who clearly like wanted to present this image to everybody else. And there was no way these people were that just a few years ago or whatever it was. And so mm -hmm. Michelle just felt like so refreshing in terms of, you know, somebody who really just kind of like shunned all that and was just authentic to herself. And still to this day, it's one I'd say, the most attractive things to me about her and that, you know, even taking it a step further, like I think we're kind of talking more like surface level stuff, but like expectations or like assumptions of what people in Michelle's life and like close people, family, friends, loved ones, like what they expect her to be Mm -hmm. she completely just you know turns it on its head and says like no like this is who I am and this is who I'm proud to be and it's very inspiring and uh, that's why I look up to her that's why she's my best friend but um, she just always had this ability to be true to herself and it's you know something that I've always been attracted to but that's great Mm, too, girl. Oh, I think that might be the first kiss on the podcast. Hey, <laughs> hey I like that. Might not be the last on this show either. <laughs> Man, we should have done like the full recording. People got to see that. Nah, um, that was cute. That was very sweet. Um, but yeah, it's great that you two saw each other um, to the depths and saw the true versions of each other. I mean, that's that's obviously really important. And as you guys mentioned. You know, physical attraction is always just a starting point. And then I feel like it kind of grows from there. Either you become more attracted as you get to know the person or you say to them, you say to yourself, you know what, this is the person I'm physically into, but I don't really feel a genuine connection. You move on. So um, that's great that you had, especially as you guys mentioned during the middle of your college, your college career, like that's, that's huge, you know? And uh, I don't know if Duke was a big party school, but you guys definitely... <laughs> To make it through that and to end up being married is awesome. So it's really cool. Um, not, not many parties at Duke. That's it is. There were a ton. Of course. I mean, not, there were a couple of national championship parties I'm sure you guys had. Just yeah. a few. Just yeah. a few. Just a few. Not as many as Villanova, but a few. Visa? Get to Visa. So you guys, you guys end up then 
moving to New York, right? So how was, um, you guys obviously dated throughout college and grew closer and closer, boyfriend, girlfriend. So was it just a natural progression that you two would move up to the city? We did long distance twice after we graduated. So we dated the end of our junior year, all of senior year. Trey moved to Texas. I moved to New York. Okay. And I moved to Dallas as well. Um, and Year two after graduation. Year two after graduation. So we did a okay. year apart. Then our, the second year, I moved to Dallas. And then after a year and a little bit in a few months he moved up to new york because when i was in dallas i was like i'd love to be in back east long term he got um internship and job offer where he currently is Mm -hmm. um so moved for the job six months before i did so then we were long distance again but flip-flopped he was in new york i was still in dallas really um actually that's when i met you parker Hey, he met Sean. Yeah. <laughs> then that summer, 2013, I moved back home. I moved in with one of my girlfriends. He moved in with one of my childhood friends. I like linked them up to be roommates. Um, wow. And then we both lived in the city in separate apartments for a year, and we got engaged. Uh, Yes, 2014, early in two, like a, a year after we both lived in the same city semi permanently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of like a distance, yeah. a distance, whether yeah. this is like where we're going to stay. Then our fifth, our five year anniversary, he flew me to Puerto Rico as a surprise trip um, and proposed. Wow. And then, yeah, I got married in 2014 and um don't go too far into the story now (laughs) you get carried away first kid 2017 second kid 2019 moved to jersey 2021 jersey yeah about to celebrate our eight-year anniversary wow that's crazy that's crazy so things really took off after once you guys are in the same place for long enough you're like all right let's just let's get this done Let's have yeah, on the track. So a little hiccup there. When I moved to Dallas, Uh-oh, my mom really got in my head. Um, oh. she's, she's a very um, self-proclaimed like feminist of the 60s, like somebody who was like, you know, I never getting married was never a goal of mine. Like I want to raise strong, independent women. Um, lots and lots of like mantras of like similar to what Trey alluded to, like who we were, who we should be. And um, yeah, I don't think she really understood my passion to be in education, obviously like where I still am today. Uh, And she saw that move as me moving for a boy um, at that time. And was just like pretty disappointed in me that I was moving to chase a boy in her eyes. Um, And I was like, that's not the case. Um, I got into TFA. I get to pick, you know, multiple locations where I could be located. Of course, I'm going to try and get in the same city as my boyfriend. That's right. just killing two birds with one stone. To be clear, she got placed in Houston, and I called some people in the national office and pulled some strings. <laughs> they, you know, I, I kid you not, because by that time I had already knew. I had already knew. 
And I literally did fortunately have, you know, a, a connection that I could pull. And I said, look, I'm going to marry this girl one day. Mm-hmm. If there's anything you can do to relocate her from the Houston core to the Dallas core, I would be forever grateful. And I made good on that promise. Wow. Yeah, so, so there he was. Um, but when I moved, <laughs> I don't know, I was like, you know, the negative personality trait or whatever, but yet another moment that life and family and circumstances were in my head a little bit. I was like, I think like, I'm happy I'm here, but I want to make sure like I have my own space to like <laughs> my own friends. And he was like a year ahead of me in the court at that same city. And it was a very young and like tight knit group of people. And I was like, I don't want to just like come in and everybody be like, Trey's girlfriend's here. Like I'm here for my own reasons. Um, like this is something I'm passionate about. I want people to like know me as Michelle. And then it's like, oh, Michelle and Trey happen to be dating. It's not yeah. like, walk me around as your girlfriend everywhere and that's my only identity in this space so, so you went back from square one <laughs> square one yo. He's, back square to making hallmark, he's back to making hallmark exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no this is a podcast about advice and honestly like i think a really big piece she's getting loud now she's gonna wake up the babies <laughs> for me something that helped me and may help other people that are in this circumstance is like still give yourself room to grow. Like if I, you know, even thinking about why I didn't want to be in a relationship in the first place. And I I was telling Trey, I needed some space. And he was telling me at that point in our lives, I was 23, he was like to get married maybe. And like tossing around that, those words. And I was like, I am not ready. Um, shooter's gonna shoot (laughs) (laughs) and I think the distinction between that and you know two years later like what started to make me feel ready was I was ready to make life decisions with his wants and needs as part of them and I think leading up into that part I wasn't ready like if it was convenient or I could make it happen I would but if not, like I really wanted to have the freedom to make decisions based on like what I wanted and needed at the time to like make sure that I was pursuing my interests to like get a better sense of myself, to travel in the ways I wanted to. And I had a lot of time to like travel. We did individually have a lot of space to like make new friendships and explore careers and, um, I do feel like we were able to do that alongside one another. And I never felt a want or need to like step out of our relationship. Um, And that in and of itself, like spoke to that strength. You know, I felt like we were able to communicate through that and like share our different experiences, but I wasn't like, it need like, we need to live together. We need to do everything together. Like all day, I wanted some space to really still feel like an individual. Yeah. And I actually had a friend from Villanova whose girlfriend moved to be with him in New York, moved in together. And she was all like her friends were his friends and their lives, her life was his life basically. And it ended, it didn't end up well, ended up poorly, ended up breaking up. But I remember that was like a huge kind of point of, of contention for them was, you know, you're kind of in my lane, you don't have your own lane. And even though you moved here, like, let's still have separate but equal, equal existences and obviously be together when we can. And, you know, 
make sure we're on maybe different couches with the same room, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, um, have our own thing. So I think that's what you're getting at, Michelle, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think there was a difference like getting married and I don't know if we'll like dig into like some of those things. And I think there's an even bigger difference for us specifically, like becoming parents. Mm -hmm. um, I do think we were very comfortable, like having some individualism and like having space from one another. Um, but I think like now, if I had, you know, the distinction between where we were when we were 23 and living in Dallas or even 25 and living in the city versus now at 33 um, living in New Jersey, like I, I want to make some couple friends, you know, like it's nice to relate yeah. to other couples who like might be in a similar place in life or have some kids, like we have some mutual friends um, and it can feel harder. They de it definitely still exists, like friendships that he has outside of me and friendships I have outside of him. But I also would say that it's very, very nice when like, I think that he's developed genuine relationships with people who, you know, are quote unquote, my friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Like my life. Um, that could live beyond me. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I mean, our lanes have merged and that, that I wanted a separate lane. And that to me was the distinction between when I was ready to get married. Like I'm, I'm ready to merge our lanes, I guess. <laughs> Trey was ready to do that five years prior. <laughs> no, I'm trying to merge, merge early, merge early. <laughs> Try to creep over. She'd be honking the horn. <laughs> um, so did you guys, uh, Michelle, you kind of touched on this, but and this is kind of a two-part question. Um, did the differences in how you guys are raised and where you're from, did they present any like real like obstacles or challenges you guys had to seriously work through? Um, and I guess I'll ask a second part after that, but I can start with that. I think you guys can do that. Yeah. I think you should take that question. I think Trey, yeah, I think Trey should. He's been a little too quiet recently. I think you should take that question. You, my better half been speaking, dropping knowledge <laughs> and wisdom. Um, yeah, Michelle kind of talked about this earlier that we, and yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like it was very apparent to her, um, more or so maybe than me, I'd say, but like we were very different. You know, she was from Jersey, I was from Texas, more of like, you know, her on the liberal background, I was conservative. Um, yeah, just taste in terms of like, she talked about music or just like what we like to do. We were very, I'd say culturally like different people. Um, and I'm, I, I think that, I mean, I attribute a lot of who I am today, not surprisingly, because of my best friend sitting next to me right here, mm -hmm. um, who's, who's definitely influenced me over uh, many, uh, many, the formative years of my life, so to speak. But I think that it, it could pose, you know, a problem. I think, I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back or anything, but, you know, fortunately, I learned very quickly in, you know, I, I would say like freshman year of like really taking advantage of being in a place where people came from all different backgrounds, ways of life, 
you know, views of life and really just kind of buying into that environment of like, you can learn from other people and hear their, you know, perspectives and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to change who you are, but it is kind of cool to like push back on like some of your thinking. And I think that was the biggest part for me for college was that I really had just consumed everything that had been taught to me up into that point, first 18 years of life as like fact. And, you know, for once I really had to, you know, step in and say, what is like, like, what is my religion, right? Not just like my dad's religion or like, what is like my morality or how do I view the world? And so I think it, because I, I used to be very closed-minded um, and very, you know, narrow in my thinking. And that probably would have been very off-putting to Michelle. Um, but fortunately, again, by the grace of God, you know, when she finally gave me, you know, a little bit of her, a little bit of time of the day, um, I was kind of in that place where I, I was very willing and, and vulnerable, I'd say, to like, you know, meet and learn from other people. Um, again, it, it, it helped that she, uh, she was nice on the eyes. Um, <laughs> you trust I was, I was actually, you know, listening to the conversations that were being had, but yeah, I would say in terms of like differences of kind of really like culturally, like growing up. Yeah. I feel like part of his question, correct me if I'm wrong, correct too, is like, has it presented itself as a difficulty since then? Yes, no? No, not, I mean, no, I think you'd, well, I guess you had mentioned kind of your background up in New Jersey and you said your mom more a part of the feminist movement and Trey being, uh, you know, pastor's kid down in Texas, in Dallas, you kind of alluded to that a little bit, but I guess, yeah, were there any, because I mean, what I'm learning too, as I'm dating is that where you're from, how you grow up, how you view the world, the paradigm that you see the world in, blah, blah, blah you know, obviously matters more and more as you get older. Um, so I guess that's what I was asking is more about did the way you guys see the world, was that, did that present any challenges or was it something where, oh, we're not too far, we're actually closer than we think. So not, there wasn't really an obstacle to get over. Yeah. Um, I'd say something that's still like a dynamic for me um, I don't, it's not an obstacle by any means, but yeah. um, faith was still, I think faith is like a huge part of Trey's life. As you mentioned, like his father being a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was still raised in a home where um, having access to church and Christianity specifically was still like prioritized. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I entered college very much so questioning, um, maybe I, I think a lot more pronounced than, than Trey, like, um, is this my faith because it was required of me or is this my faith because I want it to be? Um, and what do I want this to look like in my adult life? Mm -hmm. um, and what do I truly like believe in value? And I was struggling a little bit with, um, I think the ways in which I viewed religion um, and Christianity in particular, like my, what I was hearing about it more broadly socially and how it may have impacted um, views of people that I care and love about 
um, very deeply. Mm-hmm. I think that seeing how um, grounded in his faith Trey was, was actually like very inspirational for me and like a really important light that brought me closer to and more curious to like rediscover my faith for myself. Um, and I think that it was really nice to be in a shared place of, we were coming from different places, but still Mm -hmm. being in this place of like understanding our faith for ourselves, like at that age, I think in our life. Um, so that was like yet another thing that we were able to like explore and discuss. So it sounds like we're almost on the same page with growing up a certain way, but getting to college and being like, you know, is this something I actually want? Is it something that has just been instilled in me all this time? And kind of actually really giving us a serious thought and making it your own instead of just something that, you know, your parents might have just given to you as an inheritance. Yeah. And I think we shared stories of what faith looked like for us growing up. And those were very different stories, right? Like Trey does have a very different experience of religion and how it's practiced in his faith than I do. But I do think that it matters or maybe it doesn't, but um. I do think it would have mattered more like if I practiced a different faith for Trey. Yeah. Trey, was that something, you know, for guys who may be single and believers and their faith is important to them? Is that something that you thought about going in when you were looking for a wife or in your experience with Michelle? Like, how did that, how did kind of your faith and looking for a partner, how did that coexist? Yeah, I think it's a it's a, it's a it's a question I haven't thought of in many, very many years, obviously. But um, yeah, I always saw myself like like you guys have said. I, I grew up in very much so Christian household. My dad was a pastor, Bible Belt. Um, you know, going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. Like um, <laughs> I always saw myself marrying like of the same faith and. Um, you know, obviously that worked out for Michelle and I, um, but yeah, to answer the question, I, I probably wouldn't, if somebody of a, of a different faith, um, if I'm being honest right now, uh, would I have thought that marriage would have been probably the end game? Like, no. And that's just because how I view Christianity and the way that it's taught. But I do think that you know, that's not to say that two people can't make it work if you're, you know, like I said another way, I think people are on different journeys, right? I think, you know, too many times, and this is kind of, this is my criticism of a lot of people who maybe call themselves Christians. Um, hopefully I don't, you know, make anybody upset. But I think a lot of times, you know, obviously we judge when we shouldn't, but right. people are kind of ranked or rated on some like absolute scale. Right. Um, and I think really, you know, the way in which I believe is that, you know, like our Heavenly Father looks at us on the relative scale. It's a personal relationship between you and Him. And, you know, right. what is your growth um, benchmark to yourself? There's not some necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, standard of like, oh, if you make it here, then you're good. No, I think it's a continually kind of like turning towards Him. And I think people can be on two very different 
parts of their journey and it's still tracking towards the same end goal. Um, but again, they can be at you know varying levels because of where right. they are on their journey. Um, yeah. So, you know, Michelle maybe didn't feel like, and another thing is just because like outwardly, just because I look like I'm a good Christian, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray whenever we're eating, like this stuff doesn't really make you a Christian, right? These are just religious practices. Um, And maybe, you know, I I don't want to speak for her, but maybe she felt like, oh, like, you know, Trey's very into his faith because of these things. And don't get me wrong, I think if you are very much into your faith, you'll see those type of, you know, actions from like a discipline standpoint. But, um, you know, you can be on different paths really towards the same end goal. Um, Yeah. Yeah. To answer the question, I don't want to make it seem like I'm beating around the bush, but... I think I answered your, <laughs> your <laughs> question. So, um, so the answer is no. Got it. Okay. <laughs> no, there's uh no, I think that was really well said and there's a lot of truth. There's no, I don't feel like, <laughs> I don't feel like there's any kind of cookie cutter kind of rule to it. But I also agree in the fact that it's a way that you look at your life. It's a way that you view the world. It's a way I'm sure you guys, as you know, you know, with two young kids, it's a way that you raise your children. Um, and it's just so ingrained in your life that it'd be hard to marry someone and be with them long term if there wasn't that, um, if the beliefs weren't weren't lined up. They don't have to be equal on all aspects, but um, I think it would just present some problems. Now, obviously, again, God has bigger plans than we do, so, and we're, we obey that, but. Um, you know, I think what you said is honest and, and, and makes a lot of sense. Do you guys, so then after finally, you know, years of going back and forth and long distance and trading places, switching cities, did you guys, uh, how'd you finally end up on deciding that you want to get married and, and Trey, did you, you said you knew from early on, um, that Michelle was the one, Michelle, did you have that same feeling or how did, uh. What were your thoughts about spending the rest of your life with, with this handsome guy? <laughs> it's always this dynamic that I feel like anytime we talk about us that, you know, yeah. we were different pages or I was always we like, were. That yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, in a different well, book, actually. If, if this wasn't, yeah, if this wasn't the first time, then. <laughs> Alluding to, you know, being on separate journeys, but headed to the same place, you know, I, um Trey was already at the destination waiting I was there waiting (laughs) yeah I I it took me some time to feel confident that like yeah is it for me um I think I still feel this way like I was very much so I, I I thinking in the moment but when I look at myself in retrospect I don't know about you but I definitely look at myself um I look at different versions of my younger self and see how my ways of thinking were possibly other things. But when um, I think back to myself and I still see myself now from the future, um, I was living in the moment and I was uh, figuring out a lot for myself. And I think that uh, Trey was someone who I could communicate with, someone 
that I was growing with someone who honestly like was a lot of fun. Um, and to that point of like needing my own lane, like I think that I still, there's this narrative of like, you know, your twenties are supposed to be blank or, um, I know he got told multiple times, like, why would you want to like settle down and get married in your twenties? Like that's lame. Like you're like wasting your twenties. You're not like living them to their fullest. You and met my girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. I just don't feel like I missed anything. Um, like I, I really don't like just from like what I wanted from that experience. I don't, I didn't feel like restrained or restricted in any way by like having a partner. I feel like it enhanced a lot of like what I was doing, if anything, like when I went to the club, there was a guaranteed like super hot guy that was going to come in and dance with me. Um, you know, it was like, um, yeah, amazing trips to see one another and right, right. Um, uh, amazing trips without one another. Um, and I found myself yeah, I think Dallas, as I had mentioned, I mentioned already earlier, was just a time where I was beginning my career as an educator, which was, wasn't easy for me to do at first. And um, it was something I was really committed to. And I just didn't feel like I was ready to, I didn't know where it was going to take me. Um, and moving to New York, I felt a lot more settled in what I was starting to see for myself. Um, and I found myself drawn to like wanting to live with him and wanting to know what his career was going to be. And um, yeah, I mentioned this a little bit. I, I feel like the shift was being ready to make that decision with him, but mm -hmm. the compilation of the five years of our relationship and the six months prior to that, of like that entire time, I felt like I was able to be myself. That entire time I felt a sense of like trust and respect. That entire time I felt joy and connection. Um, and I wanted to wake up to him every day. I wanted to like keep doing that. And I felt that he trusted and respected me enough to like prioritize things that I wanted for myself in life. And I wanted to do the same for him. Um, mm -hmm. All right. I just wanted to like more formally do it together. Um, and with that, I know that there would be like some sacrifices and compromise, but yeah, I think I wasn't ready to like compromise things that I wanted before. And I just like reached a point where I was. And that to me was like the difference between um, enjoying being his girlfriend and wanting to be his wife. Mm -hmm. And why was marriage important for you too? Hmm. I'm not sure I know how to answer that question other than like commitment. Um, was it something that was just kind of a natural, you feel like a natural progression in the relationship or was it something where? I mean, I think. Trey, I, you were saying like, I, I want, I want to marry him and spend the rest of my life with him. And like, how, how did you kind of view it? How did I view marriage? Um, I feel like I'm repeating myself quite a bit, but like I viewed it as uh, a commitment to doing life with him. And, um, you know, we were talking a little bit before this about our vows and like not taking those lightly. Um, 
it's a commitment with community before God to be with one another, um, despite all the things that like life might throw at you. Um, and it's funny, I can't tell you how many times in our early days where it just felt like nothing but glee and joy, um, people would see us and say, you know, like, oh, but the days will come, the storms will come, like, are you going to be ready to weather those? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. You know, making sure that you... Nothing but sunshine. Like, live, live your <laughs> vows, you know, of like, you sit in yeah. and health and um, yeah, I definitely having weathered some storms, I think there's uh, there's so much beauty in being committed to each other. Like when you're not at your best, I think yeah. there's a different level of life that we have lived in different levels of stress and um, experiences that we've had since we've been married that I think I, I definitely had the most stressful, you know, years or so of my life um through this pandemic through what it was like to become a parent through loss um mm. all of those things combined in the same like ethos and like us going through those things separately um that doesn't bring out the best in like who we are but like still um remembering those vows and uh, yeah. committing to continue to like lean into one another and like who we are and be there for one another and, and grow to keep doing that. Um, yeah. On the other side and realize that that person's there for you and they really do love you even when you're not at your best. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And when you're firmly planted in that, it seems like those are the moments where you <clears throat> really grow stronger together. You know, it's, it's probably similar to your faith journey where you know, you, you feel yourself growing, not through the mountaintop moments, but through the valley moments. And that's probably the same with your guys, with the relationship and marriage as well. Um, obviously, it's nice to be on the mountaintop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that you guys like those are formidable moments for you too, and pivotal moments to grow together. And do, do you remember any kind of seminal moments, I guess, during your marriage? Um, like any big times where you really should maybe took a step, you know, took a big step to another level, um, or changed in some kind of dramatic way for the better. Ooh. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a day-to-day -day progression of always trying to, you know, iterate to a better version of yourself. I, so I think, yeah. um, I think why, and we, we talked about this, why Michelle and I worked so well in the early years when we were we were young was because we were very much so like all about each other when we were with each other, but we also operated like very independently of each other in some aspects as well. And we were very independent. And so I personally think actually, you know, when we did, you know, essentially the two years of, of distance that we actually emerged out of that stronger, whereas, you know, maybe some other people would have, you know, fell apart. And it just worked so well, because when we were with each other, you know, for those, you know, short weekends or whatever it was, it was all about each other and investing in each other. And then when one person went back to whatever city they were in, and vice versa, um, it was back to like, okay, what are our, you know, 
what is our career goals and aspirations back to being focused on that. And so yeah. I think we worked really well in that aspect. And for me, I really felt no differently when in my head, I knew I wanted to propose to Michelle when I actually proposed to Michelle and when we got married, like nothing really, I feel changed. And I think it was because up until that point, and even in the marriage, I think there is a little bit of like self-sacrifice, but it was still easy to me, but I think that when we hit the stage of parenthood, that's when the game, with this on the word, you know, the game doesn't change, right? Like, <laughs> I think that was a, a big step, at least on my end, where, you know, everything, not every single thing, but a lot of things became, you know, the decision-making process always involved the questions of, how is this going to impact Seth? How are we making sure that, you know, Seth's needs are taken care of? And I think that was a whole nother level of sacrifice that, um, you know, was, was tough. Like becoming a parent was like really, really tough. Um, it's one of those things you don't know it until you're in it. And I think personally for me, like I struggled in terms of, you know, being, I think as supportive as a unit with Michelle, than, than I could have been. And it's something that I continually try to work on and be better at. Um, but that for me was like, you know, the biggest like game changer in terms of like, I really feel like up until like, you know, we became parents, I probably could have counted on one hand the number of times we had spats and not even like, I call them spats. They weren't even like real arguments or anything. It was easy coasting. But as soon as like kids came into the picture, like, a lot of stuff changed in terms of just the coordination of schedules and, you know, a lot of, like I said, self-sacrifice of, I want to do X, Y, Z, but I can't because I have obligations, right? And not obligations from a sense of like, they're burdensome. Like, you know, we very much so were thoughtful and knew when we were ready to have kids, we were ready to have kids, but it is a big, it is a big life change. Um, yeah, and you have to, and you have to make adjustments and you have to be, you know, even more so on the same page. And I think there was less room for, you know, like the tolerance of us not coordinating as efficiently as possible as before, um, that kind of, you know, we would hit snags and stuff. And to answer your question though, I think like in having to work through that, we found out a lot about each other in terms of even more so going deeper into like our personalities, our character, and how we really operate as a co-unit mm -hmm. and as life partners through this thing called life um, and have came out better for it, I think. But again, it's a, it's a continual, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a continual iteration, like I said, of, you know, trying to make not just my better self, but better us. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like part of your question was also like something we went through or like a shift that helped make us stronger. Um, mm -hmm. I think also like couples therapy was very helpful in supporting how we communicate in moments of how we get through. Um, conflict something I heard Trey like summarize recently was we are both low drama people um <laughs> or see ourselves that way so like as Trey mentioned um early in our relationship like we didn't really argue much 
Um, and I think that's for a variety of reasons, but I, I, I know on my end, there was a lot of like, yeah, I'm just going to trust him because not trusting him is so much more stressful. <laughs> like, um, if I like, I'm going to trust him until I have like a strong reason not to. And, mm-hmm. um, good mindset. Uh, there was, uh, I think through what it took to, what like, it took to- come parents, um, when we had these moments of, I think there was also like stress here, like work stress, sleep deprivation. Um, I struggle with like severe migraines, things like that, where I say like, we're not at our best. Um, and we had some tension points and it's like, if something felt hard and um, the way Trey kind of moves past it um, to like, wants it to be over as quick as possible was to say like, I'll get over it, you know, like on his own or um, was like the conversation essentially was like trying to make it short so that like we could go to bed, it was squashed, next day would be perfectly fine. And for me, anytime I felt some type of way, I wanted to address it. Like, how is this presenting for me? How is this presenting for you? Um, but in me trying to talk it out and him having very short, quick, like responses, like this is over, it was over for him, but it wasn't over for me. (laughs) That makes sense. Like I needed more back, Um, but just like, we've always felt that communication was key, but really understanding like what is, what does communication look for us when we're actually really stressed? And we hadn't been in very stressful environments up into that point in the same way that we were as new parents and um, deeper in our careers and sleep deprived and all of those things. Um, And so, yeah, I I personally feel like talking to somebody else about what things feel like when things feel hard or like when we're, it feels like we're not communicating because that's how at least it felt on my end. Like we're trying to communicate, but it feels like we're not getting anywhere about certain things or, um, it feels like some of these things feel cyclical um, and just like having an outside perspective to really help like open the floodgates again um, is at least how I feel right now that we kind of like refound our footing um, and being able to like really hear each other even when things feel hard. Yeah. So you felt uh, that. Oh. Yeah, go ahead, Trey. That's my plug for like, you know, don't be afraid to go to, to couples therapy if things feel yeah, hard no. when you're talking to kids. Yeah, no, that's a great yeah, we never, we never did, uh We didn't do premarital counseling and we literally just nearly, we're about to celebrate eight years of, of marriage and um, just, just this year started couples therapy. And it was one of those things where I don't think we ever were like, we don't need couples therapy necessarily because you know we're self-righteous, but we never felt, I guess we never felt the need, but yeah, absolutely. I think having a, um, you know, like a third unbiased, sometimes I think our, our, our third is a little biased towards you, but a, a third, a third, a, a third party, like unbiased, like opinion on, on matters that you kind of like communicate through for us, at least was very helpful. Cause as Michelle said, it was very, like, it was very ironic that we both had this very similar mindset of we hate drama like unnecessary drama like you know being irrational and stuff is just like it's just inefficient doesn't make sense 
but we approached it in very different ways because we had very different communication styles. And it's something that I've always said, like in marriage, like communication is key. Communication is key. But as Michelle said, it's like very, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Ends of the spectrum in terms of, as she said, like I internalize things and I kind of just want to say, I just want to get past it, like brush it to the side. I want to go to bed when I wake up. I'm not going to worry about it. And Michelle is very much so like, no, let's address it right here and now in the moment so it doesn't mm-hmm. fester. And so we'd have this dynamic of I would do that. I go to sleep. I wake up. I go to work. I come back home. I act like nothing was wrong. And Michelle's like, how are you not going to address the elephant in the room? And it's because speaking from my perspective, like I wasn't understanding her communication style and I wasn't understanding how my communication style was landing for her. And I think that has been something that has just been huge in terms of, you know, a revelation of like, wow, seeing how we both want the same thing in the end, but we're going about it in different ways. Yeah, you're taking merge, merge, merge those lanes, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and it helps like to not exacerbate situations. And we feel very, you know, even you always got something to learn. I feel like nearly eight years into the game and we got, you know, we're still, we're still young in the game. Like, we're picking up new skills and it's something that's been, I think, very, very helpful and meaningful moving forward. So. Yeah. It feels like um, that you two could even maybe learn from each other in that sense where maybe Trey is good at just not letting something, just something that's maybe trivial blow up into something bigger and you're good at maybe moving on quickly, Trey. But then Michelle, obviously you're learning from her in terms of, okay, this is something that's important. This is like a meaningful subject we need to dive deeper in. And if we don't, it could, you know, rear its ugly face in other ways or at other times. Um, But there's probably something to be said for both, for both styles. Something where it's like, let's not sweat the small stuff or, you know, make a deal over spilled milk. But at the same time, if it's something that means a lot to me, I want to take the time to expand upon it and, you know, talk it out. so I think it's cool that you guys have learned those communication styles. And to your point, Trey, like both of you guys and to your point, Michelle, both of you guys at the, and the foundation are like at the cornerstone, if you will, are, you know, like, hey, we both want to we both want to end up in paradise. We both want to be on the same good page. We both don't want to carry this drama with us, but we're going to have to find a different way to get to this resolution. And it's not just my way that works or your way that works. There's, there has to be some kind of happy medium between us. Is that what you guys have kind of kind of conclusion you've kind of reached? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I definitely hear you and Trey on the like um, spilled milk versus stopping things from festering. Um, I think another element to like the ways in which we communicate things and why is like Trey's mm-hmm. very action oriented and solution oriented. Um, and so sometimes I think like expressing something like this is making me uncomfortable means we need to find a solution. Um, I think like he was always like searching for the solution where sometimes I feel like I express discomfort or an emotion to like process it with him, you know, mm, yeah. um, that it needs to be, there needs to be like a next step because of it, but it's like, I'm sharing how an experience is impacting me and i'm actually curious to know like what's going on for you um so just like talking about feelings is like not his favorite thing to do um 
you know, like, or that interaction with our family was intense. Like, here's what was going on for me. It's not like yeah. that yeah. means next time we need to change, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, uh, yeah. what was going on for you? Are you okay? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of even like talking about the drama that's around us. Um, mm-hmm. I think it sometimes is necessary for me to like not hold on to those feelings or it, it can be like, a bonding experience for me to like, like he's who I want to share it with, you know? Um, yeah. Or I had expressed, a, well, we haven't talked about it much, but um, something I've been, my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the beginning of our, our marriage. Um, and that's been like a constant, uh, I don't know if I want to say like mourning process or just a lot of series of feelings that I've needed to process. Um, And so like bringing that to him, not in a sense that I need a solution or I need him to do something or that he's not doing enough, but like to to talk about those things and to feel okay doing that. Um, Yeah. I think that was another thing that came out of therapy that was really helpful as like a a learning like talking about feelings isn't always about finding a solution like you're not going to find a solution to my mom's illness or how I feel about it um but we should like create some space to talk about it Mm -hmm. yeah I was just going to say that that kind of diagnosis is not there is no solution unfortunately at this point and it's just something where it is a constant journey of you know ups and downs and like some bright moments and then a lot of bad moments and um yeah to your point Michelle I mean it's like not everything is just kind of an equation and we have to get to the answer um and I think you probably do a great job of helping Trey unpack those feelings that he has because we all know they exist (laughs) but they do do for all men but men probably in general are more about okay let me push that feeling under the carpet and just figure out the next thing um and Meanwhile, we don't realize that there's a lot of stuff like brewing underneath that needs to come out. And I'm sure, Michelle, you do a great job of helping Trey with that. And you probably also need him because you say, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You got to cry right now. Look at him. But Michelle, you probably also need a partner who is like willing to like share those emotional feelings with you, you know, and talk to them and express them and sometimes they're hard to put into words but even just trying is is you know purposeful preach parker preach (laughs) i mean just like you're saying parker like that was something that wasn't uncovered until we talked about like communication styles that at the end of the day in a marriage you're there to support your 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 partner your spouse right and i you know i came to see that you know there were, there were some vulnerabilities that maybe I had that were, you know, impeding me from being able to be that, um, that comfort and that, that, um, you know, strength for Michelle. And she talked about like her mother's diagnosis and, and you know, this very well, it was one of those things where it's just like, it, it's, it's, it's tough to deal with and it's tough to see, you know, things as they play out and as I looked at it is one of those things where you know I saw like 
as you said, like short of a miracle soon from medicine, like there's nothing you can do. Right. Um, and you feel hopeless. And, you know, that was a, you know, when Michelle was first, you know, going through that diagnosis of her mother and, and looking for comfort, like I, I started pulling away from her because I, you know, now I see, you know, a shortfall of myself and a vulnerability of, you know, asking questions of if I can't fix a situation, do I kind of run away from it? Right. And in doing so, I wasn't there to, you know, support Michelle to the extent that she needed it. And so, you know, understanding, you know, on a deeper level, like your partner and your spouse also can help kind of expose some of, you know, things that are going on with you that you otherwise wouldn't have known. Um, it can ultimately lead to, you know, illuminating those, 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 uh, you know, shortcomings and, and hopefully continue to work through them to be, to be better. Yeah. I've always loved when, uh, that was beautifully said. Thank you, Trey. And thank you, Michelle, for sharing that as well. Um, I've always loved one of my favorite pastors, Richard Wilkerson Jr. down in Miami. I don't think Sean sweats him as much as I do, but he, uh, Rich Wilkerson would always say that marriage doesn't fix your problems. It just reveals them. <laughs> it actually just like, manifest ones because you're with a person all the time and we're all imperfect and it just brings out more of what you didn't realize that more of what you didn't see in yourself for better and for worse the good and the bad you know um and i always like that perspective because i always grew up thinking oh you know you get married you find the perfect person perfect person quote unquote and life will be good but then you realize like that person's saying like parker you've done this or trey you've done that or you know <laughs> and you're like, wait, no one ever told me this before. It's like, yeah, exactly. Well, you never had someone like me who's around you all the time. Um, so I love that. And I love that you guys, I love that you took the step with therapy and going to talk to someone about your communication styles, because it seems like just learning that and learning how you two function and kind of learning the, the mechanics of how you guys operate has been so crucial and critical to helping you to get through trying times, which has been good. And I can only imagine that people who don't understand their partner's communication style, that they go through difficulties and they just can't get through them because they don't understand how to talk to their person or what the person needs from them. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's really cool and admirable that you, you two did that. Um, and then finally, I guess to kind of, you know, wrap things up here, uh, you got, I mean, I could keep going all night, but you know, I'm... <laughs> I know it's getting late over there. I'm in Nashville. You guys are in New York. It's an hour later on the East Coast. So I know that you got to wake up early, Trey. Um, those bottles in Scottsdale aren't going to pay for themselves. But I thought it was going on the, the MML corporate card. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, what I was just going to say is, you know, to talk about parenthood, I mean, you alluded to this before, but um, can you briefly just talk about what parenthood has been like? I know you've said it's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of having to adjust your schedules and, you know, adjust your life essentially for somebody else. But can you just briefly in the next kind of four or five minutes talk about what that's been like? Um. Something that was kind of 
shocking for me. I think entering parenthood was, you know, you intentionally make this, we intentionally made a person together. Um, and then for myself, like being pregnant, it was like he marveled at like what was happening a little bit, but it was also like, I have no idea what's going on for you. Um, and it's kind of like that for 10 months, you know, and I'm, I struggled with a bit like, do I feel like I'm complaining all the time? I think there's also context. Like I hated being pregnant. I despised it. Um, yeah, you had a high risk pregnancy the first time. Um, it affected our intimacy and the way we were talking and our physical intimacy and just like my own body image. Um, and then there's like, yeah, just so much like healing that came after that. Uh, and the response, I sleep deprivation. I've not, I do not do well sleep deprived. Um, and it was beautiful. Like all as, as like difficult as it was, it was extremely beautiful. It is extremely beautiful. Um, I always like to think, you know, when I was all by myself and I had to make sure all my needs were met, like actual just needs, not just wants, like just my needs, <laughs> like making sure I'm properly taking care of my skin, my body, my teeth, my, my nutrition, all of those things can feel tight and stressful and like you're never doing enough and then you try to support your partner and making sure that they're taking care of themselves too and then you have a whole another person um that needs all of those things and you're responsible for doing it for them because they're incapable of doing it themselves um mm -hmm. and I feel like now probably what's shifted it's kind of like this big it was for us at least like this big, like, oh my goodness, like all of these things have changed. And then there was like a settling, um, a settling of like who we are, a settling of how we connect, a settling of our roles and, and how we're becoming parents. But I think something that's still undeniably changed is just like time, um, time as a resource and like what, how that plays out. Um, with like how much time we get just the two of us, um, how much time we get with like each of the people in our family, um, time demanded from our respective former immediate families. <laughs> um, we have immediate demand to be around um, grandchildren and vacations and what that like. Um, yeah, that would be my quick little spiel. Yeah, yeah. A lot of balancing. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like the hardest thing to, you know, I've ever had to do, but also the most rewarding. I actually had a good friend of mine. He asked me, I was with him a few nights ago. Um, he's single, no kids. And he said, you know, if you could get an additional 10 years of any part of your life, childhood, early adulthood, or being a parent, what would you pick? And I said, like, hands down, parenthood even though he knows it took us you know basically six months for me to carve out time to come have dinner with him and um he knows I'm always tired I'm always yeah Michelle has mentioned sleep deprivation multiple times um because it it, it it is real um at least I don't know I hear there's kids out here that sleep 12 hours straight to the night not our not our two boys um <laughs> but it's it's incredible it's incredibly tough and incredibly challenging but it's just I mean, 
like I remember, and as Michelle said, like it was a very much so like just crazy experience watching this thing grow inside of her. And it really was just like a thing. And even when you saw like the movements and stuff, it it, it didn't compare to, you know, the culminating event of literally a human being, not to yeah. get too graphic, but coming out of your wife and being like, oh my goodness, like we just created a, a person. And oh my goodness, they're just going to let us walk out of this hospital with this person? Like, don't they know we don't know what we're doing? Um, And then you just see like the development and the personality and just like who they are. It's um, for me, again, like I said, it was like, I I still remember the first, like, you know, the night Seth was born and I I didn't sleep. And I remember just looking him like into his eyes and I feel like he was just looking into my soul. And I was like, it was just almost, it was like a divine moment of really like, I even came closer like to God in my own walk because I saw, you know, as, uh, you know, the metaphor of like God, the father and we're his children and seeing yeah. that like, incredible love for this human being who you created that you don't even know yet, but like just this, this instinctual feeling towards this life that you created. Um, and yeah. Like I said, it's 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 incredible, challenging, incredibly challenging, and um, it's a day to day grind. And there's absolutely, you know, very very frustrating moments when you're not at your best, and 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 you know that, and you have to apologize. But um, yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's absolutely incredible, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change I wouldn't trade it for the world. So. I was going to say that the earliest days can feel the hardest um, in different ways, but then it, it kind of settles and you get enough distance from that like early extreme sleep cycle um, yeah. that you know you find yourself forgetting what it was like or thinking that it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> lies from the good of hell um but, I mean, it's like worth it and i think just right now um and i know all couples have completely different experiences um but in our experience i would say i've kind of like surmised that there's like this two-year commitment that's very physically intense um for myself at least um, between pregnancy and then like I was fortunate enough to be able to like breastfeed for a year after but then also like neither one of our children were great sleepers until around six months to a year um, is when we started getting like much longer stretches of sleep um, Woohoo, four hours <laughs> um, so yeah but it's like once that like when you're in the midst of those two years, like it really hurts. But when it's over and, you know, two more years pass and you think back to those two years, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Like, look what came of it. Um, Yeah, now sometimes when I think about if we were ever to like venture into the journey of having more children, I just think, you know, oh, I can do it. Like I've done it before. I just think the more time that this? stretches, the like that time, that two-year time commitment doesn't feel as bad. Like, yeah, it's like the side of like, you know, that you get to the other side and like things settle and 
Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of the things that we prioritize and want, like they don't go anywhere. But to me, it's like acknowledging the different phases of life that you're in. Um, or like uh, people make current references, like just don't fight the current. You gotta like swim with it, take it for all its things, you know, let go of what you need to let go of for that season. And then like, know that ties change, you know, and uh, in a different season and take it for all the glory that it is as much as it's painful. It is painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, to your point, Michelle, what you just mentioned about seeing the other side and seeing, you know, how much love and care and attention those boys get and seeing them so happy and growing up with two great parents like you. I mean, it's, it must bring so much joy, you know, when they're, as you continue to watch them grow and, you know, a few sleepless nights, you look back and you're like, oh, that was nothing. Like I can, I can manage that just to see them be so happy and joyful and radiant. Um, obviously if you have a third kid, I hope that he or she gets 12 hours of sleep a night. <laughs> Amen. Receive that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that's cool that you guys are so open about it, about the challenge, not just like, oh yeah, like it's bliss, it's great, it's whatever, you know, just like, I love it so much. And obviously you do, but it's good that you're able to vocalize those challenges as well. Um, so then just to kind of, you know, put a tie a bow on all this, you guys have been dropping some, some great knowledge and, um, been sharing a lot about your relationship, a lot of great stuff, been very educational. I've learned a lot. Um, is there anything that you would summarize in terms of maybe advice that you would give somebody or um, things that people should think about if they're currently in relationships, whether it's marriage or early on in their relationship? Um, I'll let you two take it from here. So I'll say we talked about communication a lot and just a uh summarize it communication is key but like we said it's nuanced and understanding each other's communication styles is yeah paramount um but one thing i i would add on like the parenting side is that you know i think one one fear i have is and you hear this right like you know once kids come it kind of becomes all about them and then you know, you end up living with this person for, you know, your spouse for the next 18 years and you look back and you're like, I, I don't know who this person is sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from my godfather, you know, quote another, another pastor, Joel Eason out in um, Wesley Chap uh, Chapel, Florida, um, a Bridgeway church, a little plug there, um, <laughs> is that, you know, he really like impressed upon me that, you know, especially in this day and age, and I really got it because, you know, I was into sports and, uh, you know, his his kids were in sports and stuff. And he, he saw us a lot, especially as a pastor who would counsel parents is that like the parent's life becomes so much about their kids. And it's really like backwards, like the foundation of, you know, the family is it like starts from, you know, mom and dad. And if, if that isn't on right footing, you know, it makes everything else a lot a lot harder to support and so you know like I said one of the best pieces he advice he's given me and stayed with me is that you have to continually invest in that relationship that relationship is key and I think 
um, it's very tough. And we didn't do it, I would say, a very good job, like whenever we were, you know, first year parents and things of that nature, just because it's like a day by day, just make it through. Um, but I think we really, especially over the last year or so, focused on making sure that we're carving out time for ourselves mm-hmm. because like we have to continue to grow with each other um and if we do that we'll be better versions of ourselves and enable us to be a better mom a better dad and I just know for me like it just like personally like it's 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 something I very much look forward to like I would almost like the bookends of my week that keep me going is church on Sunday mornings, which like sets the tone for the week. And then I have date night on Saturday night to really look forward to. Um, and I like legit, like get sad if for some reason we got to like cancel or something. I'm like, yeah, well, like, can we make it up? You know what I'm saying? Like, but <laughs> I think that, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's incredibly easy as we talked about and the show was talking about just like the logistics and scheduling of like being a parent. If, you know, if, if both parents are working or even if one parent or the other is, is working and the other is not, it's just like time is so tight and it's very easy to like Michelle and I, if we didn't really put thought into it, could go through Monday through Friday and probably actually only spend 15 minutes talking to each other a night. And it'd be solely about logistics of the day and what needs to happen to tomorrow and never actually like tap into how was your day? Like, what are you thinking? Did you read something cool today? Like, you know, what's like, what is going on with you? Right. Um, How did that make you feel? Yeah. Like getting into those. Exactly. And I think it's, it's something that you can kind of just lull yourself to sleep over so many years that you'll look back and be like, Oh shoot. Like, like I, like I said earlier, like, I don't know who this person is next to me now that the kids are gone they're out living their own life and you're kind of just stuck with really a stranger who has developed into somebody over the last however many years that you may or may not like be able to easily relate to when it just goes back to being the two of you. And so I would just say for us, and I think other people would, um, you know, you know, hopefully benefit from it as well. Like that has been absolutely like crucial and paramount to keeping a connection between the two of us. Um, yeah flourishing yeah uh, summarize that like a, in a language like communication i would say like keep experiencing together um and sharing experiences that you have whether through time through your mm-hmm. yeah, time to talk with each other or time to spend with each other um for a long time uh just a plug around date nights i feel like getting a sitter can be very hard and getting out of the house can be really hard. Right. We had, we had at home date nights, like just, um, after the boys went to bed, even if we were super tired, it was like three hours or two hours of, um, planning something nice to do in our kitchen or in our living room or right. yeah. it was just, whether it was watching a movie or, massages or we did like whiskey tasting or um talking about something we're reading just like being very intentional about it yeah yeah it's funny to see the progression too of your relationship from you know the spontaneity of going to wendy's in the library to now <laughs> by the trade and go library let's be real he's a d1 athlete but <laughs> Yo, what you- <laughs> a mechanical engineer major True, true. Sleep on me, man. Sleep on me. 
No, but um, going to Wendy's, going to the library, to now like having to carve out, you know, really specific intentional time is like cool to see. And I get, and I would guess that over time, like you know, as you get older and you have more and more responsibilities and things start to heat up, like you have to really, really make sure <laughs> you're intentional about being intentional. <laughs> like there has yeah. to be a huge emphasis on it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can feel sacrificial at times, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, for real, for real. Like every bone in my body wants to go to bed right now, but I'm going to like push myself to do this. Yes. And That's be present. Right? It's for people. We're not talking about the podcast right now. He's talking about date night. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, yes, Michelle, I love that. <laughs> Keep going, send another link. <laughs> Oh my goodness. No, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool to hear. And then, uh, Michelle, anything else that you would add to that? I know I the last thing that's kind of like still stuck around, I think plays out in a variety of different ways is one of our first rules as a couple is no rules. Um, and yeah, like Trey's done things that have bothered me, um, and vice versa, <laughs> but we talk about them, right? Like I was trying to insinuate, um, like at the end of the day, I expect that he respects the impact of like his choices on me. Um, and I trust that he has positive intentions and he's not doing anything to hurt me. So I approach him understanding that it wasn't his intent to maybe make me uncomfortable or upset, but I also like consider it my responsibility to let him know that and then, mm -hmm. you know, hope that he takes that in cons into consideration as he moves forward or like sometimes like he really pushes on my understanding or I pushes on his understanding of like what was going on for me. Like we talk through it so that maybe next time it doesn't have the same impact because I understand it differently. Right. right. Um, but it's not about like approaching one another as like, this can't happen or this is wrong. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I take a lot of solace in this idea that like no conversations off limits, like no want is off limits, like no, right. like growing is off limits. Um, there's no like hard lines for us other than like mutual respect and trust um, as like the foundation for one another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another theme you guys picked up upon, even from the beginning of your relationship, um, building respect, um, or yeah, building trust through having respect for one another, and what that looks like, and I think it's really cool, um, and very mature of you two to handle it that way, but yeah, I think communication has been a huge thing, like anything that is bothersome, anything that maybe was taken the wrong way, or maybe you know, misconstrued in some way, it's always good to kind of bring that up and say, you know, like, maybe you didn't realize that you did this, but it did affect me in XYZ way. Um, and you guys seem like you're really good at getting it out there before it becomes a bigger issue. Or like not taking offense and saying like, Oh, the tray meant to hurt me and Rochelle meant to hurt me. But um, let's just like figure this out. Because I know that you have my best intentions at heart. You know, whereas it could be easy just to say, like, 
you know, want to retaliate or like snap back or something, you know. So you guys seem to be very healthy in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think any, anything else, guys, or have you, have we, we're going into two hours. This is great. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they want to hear anymore. I don't know. It feels like speaking of being sleep deprived, <laughs> this is not a Friday night. <laughs> but no, I, I appreciate you two making the time. Um, I know middle of the week is is tough, but you, I appreciate you two coming on here, sharing your story. You guys, um, like I said before, gave some amazing advice and some great anecdotes, and um, I've learned a lot. I know this is going to be very impactful and help people a lot. So. Thank you, you two, for, for coming on and, and sharing your story, sharing your time, and being vulnerable. Um, it's it's very evident that you two have a, a very strong, healthy relationship. You like to have fun, and you guys are growing together, which is what it's all about. And I think the six months early on were worth it for you, Trey, and all the long distance, traveling back and forth. <laughs> At the end of the day, you both made it to the promised land. Itself is a is a testament to longevity and patience and endurance so you know for people who are in different cities or different phases of life or their partner you know i mean hearing you two make it through um puerto rico is waiting for whoever's listening puerto rico is waiting puerto rico. <laughs> but anyways thank you guys again for joining um awesome episode i can't wait to um to hear it again and uh i appreciate you two coming on thanks thanks for having us bro thanks for having us of course all right episode 14 we out cats and blue devils in the final four next year what hot take hot take heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) all right good night golf